Welcome back to A Degree in Sports, your home for college football and college basketball. My name's Cole, and I'm here alongside my great mate, Jeff Tate. And Jeff, what a weekend we have ahead of ourselves with some great college football games. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday, September 20th, and I just want it to be Saturday. Like, I want it to be noon. I want the Clemson-Florida State game to come on and just... All of the unbelievable college football that we are spoiled with as college football fans coming up this weekend. I mean, there are six top 25 games. Cole was telling me before we even went on the podcast, it's the first time since what year, Cole? Since 2006. Since 2006. So we're almost 20 years since we've had a weekend with this many top 25 games in September. So it's it's one of those just weekends that if you're a pure college football fan, Oh, you got to be super excited. Cole, we're going to get to all the games in a little bit, but let's start with some Michigan State football news. Um, I heard you have some unique information on that from a source. We don't give our sources away. Once we get this podcast, like, barstool level, I mean, we're going to have to, we can't, like, give our sources away, so we're going to practice it now. No secret, Michigan State has now began the process of termination for Mel Tucker. I think that's a bunch of legal things that are probably above Cole and I's uh, knowledge. We, we watch football. We're not about the legal behind-the-scenes things. But basically, he was notified, Mel Tucker, from the university that they have intent uh, or they have cause to fire him, and they've began the process of that, Cole. So just, just give us the news that you kind of told me a little bit before we went on the podcast. Yeah, I think like most of the college football community that was paying attention to this, there was a lot of, let's just wait for the facts to come out, what is going on here. That's how I know that's how we were because there was a lot of just gray in this whole thing where no one really knew, I guess, what to believe, what was happening. So per source, very, very close to the program, it seems like at least the allegations from Brenda Tracy carry some weight and that there was definitely some wrongdoing going on there uh, and that there's not also a lot of surprise within the team. Uh, some of that is my inferring from my source, but it didn't seem like there was much surprise in that locker room that was close to it that this happened. Uh, it still brings up a lot of questions of just all the weird things that happened with this getting leaked, the way the universities handled it, only suspending them after it became public. So that's there's still a lot of questions in a lot of weird ways. That I still don't think Michigan State has handled it correctly at all. Um, it sounds like some of these allegations do carry some truth to them. Yeah, it might be your source that leaked the news to the media, I guess. I'm, I'm just, I'm kidding. It was just a joke, obviously. Maybe. But, no, we trust our sources. Yeah, I, I don't think this person would do that. But here's the interesting thing with the whole thing. Michigan State, once they do officially fire Mel Tucker, and he's going to fight it. Like, he's he is going to fight it. There's $75 million worth of reasons for him to fight this. Ultimately, I believe this will lead to a settlement. Mel Tucker is going to get paid. He's just not going to get $75 million. There are some fishy things from Michigan State in this whole scenario with kind of who leaked it, that type of stuff. So I do think ultimately Mel Tucker will receive some money. He's not receiving $75 million, but that is a very interesting thing going forward to monitor. I think Cole and I will get a little bit more in, in the coming weeks into kind of candidates to replace him. Cole put out a great poll on the Twitter page and a lot of great feedback. We had over 40 votes. 
Cole put out a few names. Mark D'Antonio was one of them. I, I texted Cole and I said, Cole, D'Antonio's not coming back. He's done. He I saw him at the game. To be honest, he did not look that happiest to be at the game from the start. I think he just wants to be done and retired. Uh, but it's kind of interesting. I think there's a lot of good candidates. This is one they can't mess up, though, Cole. They really can't. You you have the money to pay whoever you want. You you have the money. Last time they had the money, they got turned down by their top candidates, and they settled on Mel Tucker. Obviously, three years later, or four years, we see how that went. So it's a perfect opportunity in this new era of college football to start over. I do think if they can do... I'm going to give a quick nugget. If they can keep Harlan Barnett on the staff in any capacity, I think that allows Michigan State to keep a lot of their current players that they want to keep going forward into a new era. But that is not my decision. That will be the that'll be the new head coach. And maybe it's Harlan Barnett because he is the odds on favorite. But as someone that watches Michigan State football, I think they're I think they'll go completely new and bring in a lot of new people Cole that's just my opinion but we'll get to that maybe in a few episodes yeah Mark, Mark D'Antonio to be fair has never looked happy on a sideline I mean he's always kind of had that little stern mean face looking so that's not the most surprising thing but I do think you're probably right it's not gonna be him but it's fun to think about uh that era uh kind of resuming but yeah I think it could be a lot of different people and the good thing the thing to be optimistic about if you're a Michigan State fan is that this job has gotten more attractive over the years just because of the way conference realignment has shaken out and the way the money is now getting poured into these super conferences Uh, Michigan State uh, will only have more money to find the right coach coaches will want to go to one of the top two conferences to coach in Um, so I think it is a great situation to be in now for Michigan State it's a great job Um, definitely a top 25 job I think of the country and I think they will get a lot more traction on coaching candidates this time than they did in the past yeah I think it'd be kind of fun for a little segment in the next few weeks not tonight because tonight we got way too many top games to talk about but it'd be kind of fun to rank Michigan State's job in the Big Ten currently and then with the four new teams coming in because I was doing a little exercise and I think I had them a little bit higher than people would think just due to the resources they have at Michigan State. So that'd be kind of fun to do. But Cole, without further ado, we have just an unbelievable college football slate. Six top 25 games, like we mentioned, and they're all day. Like they start off at noon. I want to get into the first game because this game coming into the year probably was thought to be a top 10 game when they met in week four. One of these teams has kind of fallen off since their opening week loss to Duke, and that is Clemson, Florida State. Florida State is a two and a half point favorite on the road at Clemson. I believe when this line was first posted before the year, I think it was actually the flip of this. I think Clemson was a two and a half point favorite. So the lines have moved quite a bit on this, but still, you're still getting that baked in effect of it being at Clemson. And then I think you're also getting the effect of Florida State last week looking really poor against Boston College. So, Cole, this is our first game. 12 o'clock, Saturday, 9 a.m. kick for you out there, which has to be a fun thing to wake up to. So what's going to give in this game? And maybe you have a pick for them later in the podcast. Maybe you don't. Who do you think is – we obviously know Clemson is the team probably with more to – 
gain from this because of if they lose this, they're zero two in the ACC, and that's kind of a death sentence. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on this game, Cole? The first thing that comes to mind is the desperation that Clemson is going to have going into this game because right now this is their playoff hopes right now. This is their Super Bowl for their season. This is their biggest game of the year. They they are in desperation mode. They are not allowed to lose anymore because of that Duke game. They I do think they've looked better since that game. They have played some weaker opponents, but they are throwing the ball a lot better and they're just scoring more points given again against weaker opponents. Um, and their defense has looked really good. They're only allowing 148 passing yards per game and 98 rushing yards per game, which is really good. Definitely better performing than Florida State's defense so far. However, Florida State did have to play LSU in their first game of the year. So we'll see what happens with this game. I really don't know what's going to happen this week, especially after the way Florida State looked a little vulnerable against uh, against Boston College last week. And just the fact that Clemson will be playing with such desperation, that means so much they are going to get Florida State will get Clemson's best shot so it's going to be so fun to watch just for the implications that are going to come from this game in the ACC in the playoff and to see a team really fighting for their lives early this early in the season yeah one of the big things when I was looking into this game from a statistical standpoint Florida State's given up almost 400 yards per game and that is something that is really interesting to me because this defense brought in a lot of big time transfers have a lot of talent, but 400 yards per game is a little concerning, especially when Boston College and Southern Miss were two of your teams that made up that yardage. Now, LSU, obviously, that's a good offense, but to have averaged 400 yards a game given up, that's a little concerning. I think you're going to need Jordan Travis to just be how he looked in that second half against LSU. He looked calm. He looked composed. He was spreading the ball to Johnny Wilson, to Keon Coleman. They're able to run the ball with Trey Benson. So Clemson is going to absolutely have to come out and make a statement because if they get down in this game at all, I think that fan base is really frustrated right now. It's been a frustrating last few years. I think if they're down early, it's a noon kick. There's going to be a lot of energy in that stadium. They need to come out, Clemson, and throw the first punch because I think if you get down to this Florida State team and give them confidence, they're going to want to play this game. Like I mentioned last week, maybe they weren't up for the Boston College game, which isn't an excuse for them. But this game, they're going to be, you have to be ready for that. You're going on the road. You win this game, you take sole control of the ACC race, especially in the conference now that the top two teams play in the conference championship. You win at Clemson, that's your hardest game remaining in your uh, ACC conference. So it's something that I, I'm i not picking. This is not one of my picks of the week. I don't have this, but I think Florida State wins this game. And I think they could make a little bit of a statement just because I think they've looked like the better team this year. Now it is on the road. That makes it kind of hard, Cole. Yeah, Death Valley is going to be electric. They show out no matter what time of day it is, unlike other stadiums like Sanford Stadium for Georgia. They are... They, they show up no matter what. They love their college football in Clemson. I went down there last fall, and it is crazy how much orange you see just everywhere. They love it, and they do love Dabo Sweeney still, especially if you really go into the nitty-gritty of like the local fans. They love that program, um, and it is going to be popping there. Yeah, that one, that one I'm definitely very excited for. And another game that I was – 
really excited for until the star player on that team got hurt is Colorado. It's it's their first test, in my opinion, uh, going on the road to Oregon, 21-point underdogs. I'm not like writing Deion Sanders off in this game, but no Travis Hunter. That is really hard, and this is an Oregon team that can score. The over-under set, I think it's at 71 points. So Vegas thinks there's going to be a lot of points in here. I don't think Colorado's defense is that great, and I think Oregon's offense is really good. So there is going to be a lot of points in this game, and it's kind of interesting, Cole. I'm going to pose this to you. I think I think all, obviously, we saw Colorado State play very dirty last week, and all the stuff, all the guys talking back and forth, leading to just dirty plays. I think a program like Oregon, that just fuels them to just go out and destroy them. Not even try to go out and hurt the guys. Like the, the shot on Travis Hunter was a cheap shot. We, we know that. There were some other hits. Shadur Sanders got popped a few times. I think Oregon at home goes out and says, all right, let's shut these guys up. Let's go make the statement that we're the team that everyone should be talking about in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is the most talked about conference right now. And I think this is a really hard spot for Colorado to go play in. And then next week they get USC without Travis Hunter as well. So it's a tough draw. You want Travis Hunter to be able to play in these games. That's the one thing I hate about him being out. Obviously, aside from the kid not being able to play, it's just those type of guys are the ones you want to see in a matchup like this and in a matchup next week. And I think it's just going to be really hard for Colorado Cole. They're also having to go on the road. Eugene is a very hard place to go and play. Austin Stadium is always popping, especially for the big games. They get up for the big games. Do you remember, uh, I think it was the UCLA game last year. That place was roaring, and it was a clear advantage for Oregon in that game. And I think there will be no difference because everyone is going to want to go to that game to see Dion, no matter where they go on the road the fan base is going to want to go. When they go to Arizona State, I want to go just to watch Colorado and see Dion. So Oregon is going to show out this game, and they are going to be loud, and that's going to be a really hard environment for them to play in, the hardest environment that they have played in for sure this year. Oregon scores a lot of points, and Colorado is giving up 460 yards per game. Oregon's putting up 600 yards per game so far this year. Colorado's putting up defensively is 460 yards per game. That is not good at all. I think Oregon, we already saw them put put up 80 once this year. I'm not saying they're going to put up 80, but they're going to put up a lot of points. And I don't think that Colorado will be able to keep up in this track meet, um, especially given the way they've started slow uh, every game so far. I think Oregon jumps out big and I'm once again, will not bet on a Colorado game yet until I see more. But I do think that 21 points is plenty of points for Oregon to cover, especially how many points I think will be scored in this game. Yeah, and you look at it, TCU put up 42 points on Colorado, and you Colorado State put up 35 points against Colorado. And I can guarantee everybody listening to this podcast, Oregon is much better than TCU and Colorado State. They have Bo Nix, who's been in college football for six years now and they're just a better they're just a better football team it's at home you know what's kind of crazy cole Fifty-four thousand is what oregon stadium holds those pac-12 stadiums are pretty small compared like i'm just thinking of like the big house and the big house is more than double the capacity of oregon stadium so it's kind of it's going to kind of be fun next year when the conferences merge because i know like washington stadium isn't big but those places are really big home field advantages because they're smaller. 
And it, it like you said, that place is going to be rocking. And it's going to be a very hard environment for Colorado to come in and pull the road up, upset, I would say. Yeah, it'll, it'll be weird as uh, as more money comes into college football and to these programs, especially uh, the Big Ten ones in Washington and Oregon for sure, that st- we'll see their stadiums, I'm sure, start to uh, just get bigger, add more capacity. They already have a very great atmosphere there, so I can't imagine what it'll be like once it gets bigger. But yeah, there's a clear home advantage for Oregon, and it's going to be a fun game to watch and it's always fun watching Oregon show up for a big, a big game at home, watching their fans show up. Cause there is a real uh, advantage there. Well, let's stay in the pack 12 with another top 25 game at three 30, another, it's an early kick out there and that's just how they do it. We'll talk about this next week, but do you see that Colorado USC kicks off at 9 AM on the West coast? Like I'm all for getting the games on TV, but that's crazy. Like I, we'll get to that next week. But that's stupid. I like just, I'm not a fan of that. But UCLA plays Utah, 3:30. Uh, this game's on Fox, and the line's four and a half. Utah is favored. Now, watch, keep an eye on this line because Cam Rising has been practicing all week. He looks good, according to Kyle Whittingham. He has not been ruled uh, as playing or not playing as of Wednesday, but I think. I mean, he obviously makes a huge difference. If he plays in this game, that gives them so much more confidence playing against the UCLA team that has looked really good. Dante Moore looks, he looks the part like we kind of were expecting when he signed there as a five-star. And this is another game that I am, I'm just really excited for because I think it's a contrasting style. I mean, US or UCLA, they, they're not like, putting up like crazy points, but they are a high powered offense with Dante Moore and Carson Steele and Utah. We know what their defense is like. I mean, you look at their three games this year, they gave up 11 points to an sec Florida team. They gave up 13 points to a big 12 Baylor team. Then they gave up seven points to Weber state. Now they're not putting up a ton of points, but I think a lot of that is due to not having cam rising. So I think it's a, I think it's a come down to if cam rising plays, that four and a half, I think, is a good number to look at Utah. But if Cam Rising doesn't play, I would almost maybe consider taking the opposite side and take UCLA just because of what, how they've looked. Now, it is Dante Moore's first road game, which could maybe cause for some concern, Cole. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see um, how that line moves and as we hear more about Cam Rising. But also the question is, how effective is he going to be once he is able to finally play again? I'm sure there will still be some rust there uh, as he's getting back to full strength. But either way, I think this is a very interesting game. Like you said, how does Dante Moore look on the road for the first time? How does UCLA actually look against a real opponent where they are not really playing everyone on their roster? The one thing I want to look for if I'm Utah is you've, you've had the injury bug the last few weeks, and there are guys all over your team who are starting to drop a little bit. And that obviously is just unfortunate. It happens to a few teams every year. So keep an eye out for that. They definitely won't have their full star-studded lineup, if you want to call them stars. But they are – this is going to be a fun game. I really have no idea which way to go with this because I can see both things happening. Two very good coaches who have both proven themselves a lot. This is going to be a really fun, underrated game to watch. Only underrated because of how many other great games are – this weekend, but this is one I will absolutely have my eye on, and 
it'll be really fun to see this UCLA team on the big stage on the road. Yeah, another stadium, just over 51,000. It's just it's crazy to me because I've watched these on TV and they look so much bigger, but when kind of one of the sites I use to preview these are ESPN and it shows me capacity of stadiums and I'm just like, wow, that's just it's a lot smaller stadium than I would anticipate. But yeah, Cole, I agree. I think this might be a stay away game, especially from an A plus picks of the week, because we don't know about Cam Rising. Like you said, if he's if he's cleared for the game, you don't know what he's how he's gonna be. I mean, he hasn't played football in a very long time at a in a competitive setting, and you don't know what he's gonna look like because if he's fully healthy, four and a half I think is probably too little of a line because I do think Utah is a better football team than UCLA, but like you said, there's a lot of injuries going around Utah, so I don't know. It's it's kind of tough, but another game, 3.30. So now we've given you three games at 3.30 on Saturday, so you're going to have to figure out how to do this, guys. Like That's that's three games you got to watch, and they all, I think, are really worth watching. We're going to go to the SEC. Ole Miss going on the road into which you into a place that used to be a place you couldn't go in and win a football game, and that is Bryant-Denny Stadium, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Ole Miss. Alabama's favored by six and a half points. Jalen Milrow is going to start the game. I've obviously said that he should be the starter, and he always should have been the starter there. This is going to be an interesting game because we could look. I saw an interesting stat for you, Cole. This could be the first time in – a very long time that Alabama and Clemson both have two losses before the end of September because Alabama plays this game against Ole Miss, which is by no means an easy game. And obviously we just talked about Florida State Clemson. If both of them lose those games, two losses for two of the, I mean, the two best, well, Georgia, the, the two best, two of the three best programs the last 10 years, definitely the playoff era. And it's really interesting. So six and a half points, Bama, Jalen Milrow's the quarterback. Uh, I think you see Alabama really rely on their defense. I think that's their best part of their team. And they are going to go against a high-powered offense in Ole Miss that has put up 73 points, 37 points, and 48 points in their three games. And they've played two of those have been power five or group of five teams, one being the American. So, Cole, what are your thoughts on this game? I know Alabama's dead. And if they lose this game, I will officially support you with the Alabama is dead. But I have to see this game first. Yeah, it is going to be, I think, a game of two fraudulent top 20 teams. Two teams that, I mean, I guess Bama, I'll still keep them in a top 20 team, but that's not good for Bama standards. I don't think Ole Miss is that good either. The question is, will Ole Miss be able to, to... have the big plays like Texas did. Will they be able to challenge them downfield just like Texas was able to do? Because they have the they have the receivers and they have the quarterback to be able to challenge Alabama downfield. Uh, and can Alabama stop that? And I think if Alabama does, they win this game. They run away with it. I think this is a team that they can play their bully ball on offense against and just run it down their throats. And I think that Alabama will come away uh, with this win because I really don't think Ole Miss is that good. Uh, like I said uh, in the last episode, that game they played last week uh, against Georgia Tech, they won 48-23. Georgia Tech should have been a lot closer. They left a lot of points on the board. And you can't have Georgia Tech at home and look that bad against them. And I don't think that they have what it takes to beat Alabama. And I think Alabama is also probably kind of sick right now of hearing all the doubt towards them. 
I do still think Alabama is dead, but I don't think Ole Miss is the one to bury them yet. Uh, I do think that well, they will get buried eventually this season. Uh, I don't think Ole Miss is the team to do that. I think they have a lot of problems on their own, especially on the defensive side. And it really does come down to uh, Ole Miss's big play offense. If they can continue that, then this could be – then maybe – Ole Miss will just score too many points and Alabama doesn't have the offense to keep up, but we'll see. Yeah, this is a game that Alabama cannot get down in. If they're if they get down by two scores, like I don't think Alabama is built at all to come back and win games like that because the 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 unique thing and there's no secret I'm a bigger fan of Jalen Milrow than anybody that probably listens to this podcast, but the one thing that if you can use his running ability, which you can do a lot more of when you are either tied or winning, is scrambling, running, design quarterback runs, which is a lot harder to do when you're trailing and you're trying to make up ground. And this is a team that I think Jalen Milrow, if you get him in play-action type looks, especially if they're able to run the football, I think those are how you really use his skill set. And I think Cole's right. I think the defense of Alabama has been really good this year. Obviously, they gave up 34 points to Texas. They gave up a lot of big plays in that game, but from like a line of scrimmage standpoint, I think against Ole Miss, I think they can handle it. You really need for Ole Miss, you need Quintez Junkins to get going. Jackson Dart leads him in rushing yards this year, and that just can't happen. Uh, Judkins was a first-team All-American with Blake Corum. You you can't have him. You can't have him do what he's doing. He needs to step it up a bit, and I, I just think it's going to be hard for Ole Miss to do that. And so I want to go, so that's the end of the 3.30 slate. So those are your three games. And then Michigan State's going to be playing at 3.30. So the locals will maybe have him on or have them on. I'll be at the game. So I'm going to be unfortunately missing a lot of those 3.30 games. Michigan State has played four straight home games this month. And then we don't we have two more the rest of the season. So at least they're nice weather games because I'd much rather go watch football in 70, 80 degree weather than... 30 and 40 like you get in November but it's been really hard these first four weeks to have all the games be home games but this game I'll be able to watch 7 30 let's go to the Pac-12 Cole with another top 25 game in the Pac-12 there's three of them this week a lot of that's due to the Pac-12 success and they have a lot more ranked teams right now and one of these teams I would say from a national perspective is a surprise to be top 15. But when you and I talked about this conference and we preview teams, this isn't a surprise to us. Maybe top 15, but definitely not being ranked. The other team, Washington State. Oregon State goes on the road to Washington State. Washington State's ranked 21st. I think a lot of that's due to their win against Wisconsin, to be honest. Uh, And then just a lot of fluctuation at the back end of the AP poll. But Washington State is a two and a half point underdog at home. I like this game a lot. I might have a pick for it later. Uh, This is DJ's first test this year, and I'm very interested to see how he does. They have a really good running back in Damian Martinez there at Oregon State, and I think this system is just perfect for DJ. I'm really excited for this game. Another Pac-12 nugget, 32,000 fans is all this stadium holds. That's I think Western Michigan might hold almost that, so that's that's kind of crazy for a Pac-12 team. Maybe that's why nobody wanted them in the expansion. Yeah, this is the battle of the Pac-2 right now. The two, the two remaining uh, in the conference. Yeah, I have a friend who went to Washington State, and he he says that it is a very small stadium, but that's 
all they got up there, they go to their football games um, and they do uh, get after it. And he says that they definitely cause uh, some noise and some ruckus. So it will be a hostile environment for Oregon State to go into. But the one thing about Oregon State is that defense translates and their defense has been so good. They've, they've, they haven't played a lot of great teams, but they also haven't played horrible teams in San Diego State and San Jose State. Uh, and they have passed those tests uh, with flying colors. They've looked great so far this year. And I expect them to just continue that trend, to continue to perform really well. I do think Washington State is a lot better than I thought they were at the beginning of this year. Their quarterback, Ward, has been very good at throwing for already almost 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns with zero interceptions. So we'll see. I like DJ. Um, I think he is perfect for what Oregon State wants to do to be able to throw the ball downfield and make those big plays that he is capable of making, but also just to be able to run the ball as well and uh, just add another dynamic to their rushing attack that they have. So I think I think this is an Oregon State team that is really solid. Uh, they're not a lot of flaws and are very capable of winning on the road. And, and I think Oregon State will just continue to, to power through this. And Washington State has been a real surprise this year of how well they performed. They have done really well. But I think this is Oregon State to just continue moving. And with all these big games this weekend, don't be surprised to see them, especially if they really handle Washington State on the road, to maybe move up towards number 10, uh, which would be crazy to, if, if we got maybe a fourth team in the Pac-12 in the top 10. Yeah, keep an eye out for it. Yeah, and DJ, the one thing is he has played in big games uh, with Clemson. He's had to go into some tough environments and play. So not dis- dissing on Washington State's like 32,000 stadium capacity, but he has played in big environments. And so this being his first road test, I think he'll be able to do it. And I think this will be a really good football game that people should tune into at 730. We could have five Pac-12 teams ranked in the top 10 at the end of this week. We could have Oregon State, Utah, Oregon, Washington, and USC which would be crazy to think about, especially if you've watched football for the last eight years. Who would have thought we'd get Pac-12, five of them in the top 10 at one point in any season, especially in their final season. I think that's pretty cool. And for that reason, added on, I do want Oregon State to really just go out and just destroy and win this game. Washington and USC, uh, I guarantee you they're going to win their games. We're not even going to talk about those games. So they'll be in the top 10, but those other teams... Do have some tough tests, but I think they could do it, Cole. So 7:30, whiteout, Penn State, Iowa. This game I think has lost a little bit of the flair I thought it would have, being that Penn State's a 15-point favorite at home. I'm very interested for this game. I don't know how much of this game I'm gonna watch because of our final game that we're gonna get to at the same time, but Penn State has not been able to run the football as efficiently as they should with Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. We've been talking about it for a while about how good those two are. And I was the best defense by far that they have played this year. The one thing though, I will say that Penn State's been doing a pretty good job of this year is playing good defense. I mean, last week I know Luke Altmeyer wasn't doing the best for Illinois, but four interceptions they got. And so they have a good defense. They usually have a pretty good defense historically. Uh, and they replaced Joey Porter, who was one of the best guys in college football last year. I don't know. 15 points seems like a lot in a low – I think this is a low-scoring Big Ten football match, Cole. That, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I agree. And something that people don't realize on the outside to think, oh, the wideout, such a big advantage. 
But being a Penn State player and playing in that game, it does add a lot of pressure um, with how crazy and out of that world that environment is. Is It just adds, like, that's a whole new experience for Drew Aller to be playing in. It is a home game, but it is crazy to be playing in that sea of white with all the eyes, all the fans. This is the one that they all get up for. They get up for every game, but they really get up for this one. The stakes are just raised in this one, and there is more pressure that comes with that. And so it will be interesting to see how Drew Aller handles himself in a whiteout game. And the other thing to note is Cade has played in a whiteout game before with Michigan. He has he has handled himself well in a whiteout game and I think that they he, he, that leadership coming in for him will be very important to Iowa that calm knowing that he's been there before will help Iowa. I know they haven't he hasn't performed super great this year, but they are they, they got a little easy one last year where they put up a lot of points. Um, that's very good momentum for that offense to have as they go into this week. And the thing is, it's a hard environment to play in, but with how big it is, I've noticed over the last few years that it's almost harder for Penn State with all that pressure that they put on this one game. And I, I think 15 points is a lot of points, and that's just that's just too many points, I think, to me, especially. And I, and I do think it, it's going to be a low-scoring game, but just keep an eye out for this one. There's a lot of pressure on this game. Yeah, and I was... Let's. Uh, I'm gonna do some research after the podcast. I'll put it on the Twitter Friday. But I'm very curious what Penn State's record is in whiteout games, especially in like the last ten years, because I can think of two Ohio State teams in the last, I think, ten years that have beat Penn State on a whiteout game. I think has Michigan had one call? I know they got beat with Saquon. Mi- Michigan's Michigan's lost both. Ronnie Bell dropped the ball in the end zone at the end of the game. To, to send it to overtime. I know. So I know the one year Penn State upset Ohio State in a whiteout as well. So I, I kind of curious because I, I wonder if that, I think you're right. That's a ton of pressure for those guys. I mean, they're playing, that's one of the biggest stadiums in college football. That is the coolest thing when they come out to like the We Are Penn State, like top of the line college football thing that you can witness is that. And that's one on the bucket list that, is number one for me is getting to a Penn State whiteout game. And maybe maybe when they get Ohio State in the next few years, I'll try to make that trip down because they're not doing it for Michigan State. Guarantee that. Yes, but the last few years they've been playing not Michigan or Ohio State in the whiteout game. So I wonder how often they have, they have covered in that game because they played, I think, was it Auburn? They played Minnesota. Maybe it was it was West Virginia one year. I know they've, there's been a few years where it hasn't been Michigan or Ohio State. So I, and obviously those years they're big favorites and they've won those games. But I wonder how often uh, they've underperformed and not covered in those games. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I'll do some research. We'll have it out on the Twitter Friday. So Cole, the big game of the week, just based on well, obviously I. I think it's the game of the week. Is it Michigan Rutgers? It is not Michigan Rutgers. It is uh, Michigan's rival, Ohio State, number six team in the country. Is a three. I have them at three points. All sports books have different things. Some have three and a half. Some have two and a half. I think the consensus is saying three. So Ohio State three point favorite, going on the road to South Bend uh, to play Notre Dame, number nine team in the country. 7.30, NBC. I mean, I am so excited for this game. I feel a lot better as Ohio State fan due to what I saw on the field last week for Ohio State. But this is going to be an elite football game. And this is a game that if Notre Dame didn't have Sam Hartman, I would say Ohio State definitely wins this football game. It doesn't matter that it's at Notre Dame. 
but Sam Hartman, I have a lot of respect for him. I have a lot of respect for what he has done in his college football career. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for Notre Dame to make a statement because if you want to make a playoff as Notre Dame, you have to win this game. I'm not saying this game is not important as much for Ohio State, but it's way more important for Notre Dame because Ohio State can run the table in the Big Ten, get to a Big Ten championship, win that game, and still get into the college football playoff. Notre Dame, they not being in a conference, they have got to win games like this, especially at home. So Cole... This is going to be a great football game. Yeah, so if you just look at the numbers, Notre Dame has played a tougher schedule so far, just given that they've played NC State. And they have better numbers pretty much on the whole table except for Ohio State's uh, rushing defense than Ohio State. Ohio State's defense has looked very, very good, especially they've only allowed 83 rushing yards a game, which is very good given they haven't necessarily played maybe an elite offensive line yet. And I think Notre Dame uh, is for sure. Notre Dame is the best offensive line that they have played this year. Um, So the first matchup to look at is definitely Audric Estime versus uh, that Ohio state rush defense. Can they really wear that defense out and run the ball? Well, Uh, that's the big thing. If Ohio state can stop the run, I think it'll also really slow down Notre Dame's passing attack. Um, This is also a big test for Ohio state's, secondary as they have they're all guys who didn't play a lot of games for Ohio State last year and they're secondary um, so that is a big test on a big stage on the road can they handle that Sam Hartman currently has the most touchdown passes in college football of 20 plus yards or more and I think a lot of that is set up by their run game by teams selling out to stop their run and I'm not saying that's Ohio State this year but that's what Michigan did to them last year. They, they, Ohio State sold out to stop the run, and they did slow Michigan's run game down in the first half, but it's a give and take. They may have slowed that down, but Michigan had a lot of over-the-top big passing plays for touchdowns. Um, and then, obviously, the second half, that run game warmed down last year. So that I think Notre Dame has the ability for something like that to happen. I do think Ohio State's defense is way more improved from last year. It's not the same team, but I think that is the model that Notre Dame will try to follow to try and beat Ohio State. But it's it's also, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State's defense just really shut Notre Dame down and we get another low-scoring game because Notre Dame does have a pretty good defense as well, um, almost like we saw last year. And then the last thing to point out is Kyle McCord in his first big road game, really hostile environment. Can he get the ball in his playmaker's hands? Can he make the right reads? Um, I was watching Joel Klatt break it down. One, a lot of the good throws that Kyle McCord's been making and a lot of the good plays, but also how sometimes he gets fixated on a route that he wants to throw the ball to or receiver he wants to throw the ball to before the play even starts. And then he throws stupid passes, um, just assuming it's going to be there and doesn't actually read the defense. So is he continuing to grow in that? Obviously, he took a big step against Western Kentucky, but is he continuing to grow in his reads and being comfortable with going through his progression and not just fixing on Marvin Jones and assuming he's going to be there? Or Marvin Harrison, sorry. And yeah, I think it's it's going to be a very interesting game that will have huge implications on the college football landscape this year and on the college football playoffs. And I'm, I'm really excited to see. It's, it's a huge game, and I could really see uh, this game going either way. Yeah, and what makes me a lot more confident as an Ohio State fan going into this game is the way that the offensive line has looked the last two weeks. Now, yes, inferior opponents, 
of Youngstown State and Western Kentucky. But last week they were able to run the football for almost six yards a carry. And that's just something that if they can run the football, Ohio State is the more talented team. Like there you will not find an expert out there that says Notre Dame is more talented than Ohio State. Ohio State has a ton, way more five stars than Notre Dame does. Now that doesn't win football games. But when you can do things like run the football and establish the ground game, you then give Marvin Harrison, you give a Mecca Buka one-on-one matchups because the defense is going to press up to stop the run. And those two, you cannot play one-on-one. Unless you have just an elite lockdown corner, you cannot play Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka one-on-one. And the one guy that has always come up in big games for Ohio State is the tight end, Kate Stover. Watch for him to make a huge impact in this game because you focus so much of your attention on the outside with Marvin going down down the field. And Emeka likes more of the intermediate routes and then making a play out of it. Watch Kyle, or watch Kyle McCord to look for Kate Stover. He's a big dude. He's a His routes don't go far down the field, so it's a quick look for McCord. I don't know. I just can't wait for this game. Like I, These are the games you just always want your teams to play in because it shows you so much about your team. And the fact that it's not a Big Ten game, I'm not saying if Ohio State loses this game, like it's going to be okay because then you have to run the table in the Big Ten, which I think is not going to be easy this year. But I I think Kyle McCord's he's ready for this. I think there's a lot there is a lot of pressure, no doubt. He has a ton of pressure on this, but I think his defense is going to step up for him early and give him a few drives to maybe get acclimated. Not saying like they're not going to score, but maybe they have a few field goal drives early. And I think having that defense be as elite as they have been and how good they've looked I think that's going to help Kyle a lot, and this game is going to be great. Like I do not see a scenario where Ohio State blows them out. I just don't. And in the past, I maybe have said that in tighter games, but I don't. I think it's. I think Notre Dame's too disciplined to get blown out, especially at home. I think I like Marcus Freeman. I think he's a good coach. I give the nod to Ryan Day, but Marcus Freeman in year two, I think they have their guy. A lot of people were kind of questioning him, but. To see what he's been able to do with Sam Hartman and then what Audric Estime has done. I mean, they have one of the best offensive linemen in Joe Alt. It, they're going to be able to run the football. It's just how effectively do they – are they getting six, seven, eight yards a carry or are they getting three, four yards a carry? There's a big difference because that makes you have third and longs versus like third and ones, which with an O-line like that, it's going to be a lot easier to pick up. So super thrilled for this game, Cole. I mean, obviously you can tell. Yeah, the the big the big thing for Ohio State will be can Kyle McCord's mistakes just be missing throws, not be interceptions and turnovers. And can as if if Kyle McCord doesn't turn the ball over, because there's some plays I've seen against against Youngstown and against against who was their last uh, Western Kentucky that he threw some some just a stupid ball on a bad read didn't go through his progression well that I think a better team could have picked off. And obviously you can get away with it. He's learning. Um, and I'm sure that's good. That's really good tape for the coaching staff to have with him. And I'm sure he will continue to improve with that. But still early in the year. And if he can go out there and at the very least not turn the ball over, I think Ohio State has a good chance. Yeah, I, I'm. Yep, that's all I got to say about this game. I'm just super thrilled. So I want to get to your team, Michigan, going 
into Big Ten play. 24.5-point favorites at home against a surprising Rutgers team that has looked pretty good in their first three weeks. This is Harbaugh's first game, Cole. Uh, not a great – I would say it was a below-average preseason for you guys. I'm just calling your first three weeks your preseason. But it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You're you're here. It's Big Ten play. You got Harbaugh back. What do you expect in this game? Yeah, um, it's the, there will be just some more juice and confidence back in that locker room, back with the team, just having Harbaugh back. It's another home game. It's homecoming. Rutgers has impressed so far this year for Rutgers. And considering the expectations were very low for them at the beginning of the year, uh, we were questioning, is Northwestern or Rutgers the worst team in the Big Ten? And it's definitely not Rutgers. They have um, done a solid job and overperformed so far. And this is a sneaky game. Uh, Last year, Michigan played Maryland at home for their homecoming early in the year. I think it was around the same week last year. And they escaped. It wasn't a very good performing game. I think maybe they hopefully had their wake-up call last week, but Rutgers is a sneaky opponent. Uh, Michigan should take care of them. I think they're 21-point favorites here, and I, I expect them to cover that spread. And especially now that Harbaugh's in the building, there's that new confidence, not a lot of questions going on. Yeah, I think all the, the everyone will be looking elsewhere in the country, and I think the thing to look for is how does Donovan Edwards continue to get better this year. He's been slow. He hasn't been great so far. Um, Corum is starting to round into his form last year. And JJ, how does he bounce back from that horrible performance last week with three interceptions? Does he start to play more conservative and he's not maybe attacking as much? Do do they pull in the reins? Because that's what Michigan needs to not happen. They do not need JJ to get in his head to be less aggressive because of what happened last week. So will he be more aggressive this week? And um, the last thing is, can Roman Wilson continue his uh, run of touchdowns? He's had a lot of touchdowns. I think he's up to six this year. And, yeah, he's doing he's doing a really, really good job. He's finally the uh, number one wide receiver that Michigan has not had in a long, t- in a long time. And, yeah, it's going to be a really fun game to watch. And for me, I, I'm obviously the Clemson game will be going on at the time. I'll have both screens up. But, yeah, I think Michigan will run through this game. The defense has been solid, and I don't think Rutgers will be able to move the ball pretty much at all against them. Yeah, it's a big game. I really think it's a big game for Michigan because there's a lot of, a lot of national media is starting to kind of get frustrated with how they've looked the first three games. But, like I said, it's the preseason. I don't think it matters yet. And these are the games, like, if you look, if it's a closer game – against Rutgers, I think then you might start uh, having a little more worries, I would say, as a Michigan fan, Cole. But I I think you guys are going to be good. I think you're going to win the game, and I think you'll get a big lift having Harbaugh back, in my opinion. Yeah, it'll it'll be – do not underestimate what it'll be like to just have Harbaugh, the leader of your program, back on the field, the one that every coach looks to. Everyone knows who the top dog is, who the leader. He is their guiding light. He is the guy who makes everyone confident and comfortable. They know who their leader is. He is a very great leader of men. The players love him. Um, So don't underestimate how much of an effect him being gone will have and how much more confident the team will be by having him. This is a a matchup of undefeated, something we didn't talk about is there's actually eight games this week also like of undefeated teams playing against each other. So like this is another added thing to how many great games there are this week. I know Michigan Rutgers isn't necessarily a great game, but 
that's still a storyline of two teams that have not lost a game yet. Yeah, very good games. And I'm going to only talk about this really fast, and then we're going to get into our A-plus picks of the week. Maryland, 7.5-point favorite going to Michigan State. I do think Michigan State is going to bounce back in this game. I'm not saying they win the game, but I do think it's not going to be a blowout. I really hope it's not a blowout. That, those kids don't deserve another blowout, so I hope they come ready to play. I listened to Harlan Barnett's coaching show this week, and he, he took a lot of the onus on that loss, which is impressive because, in my opinion, he really had no reason. I mean, he's the head coach now, so he's going to do that, but a lot of that's all off the field stuff, but these guys have to get ready for the game. 3.30 against a really good Maryland team. Talia can throw the ball, and I know that's going to be a hard game to win, in my opinion, Cole. But it'll be good to be back at the stadium. Hopefully the vibes are a lot different because that was horrible last Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I'm excited to really see Maryland in a big time game. This is just a team I'm high on. I'm invested in financially. Yeah, Michigan State has, especially after last week, kind of just turned into a team that it's just going to be probably not the easiest year for them, especially with all the off-field things going on. So I am interested at the very least to see uh, how Maryland handles themselves in Big Ten play on the road. All right, Cole, Let's we got five picks each this week in the A-plus picks of the week. Cole and I both went 500 last week. My season record is 7-5. and five. Cole is the opposite, 5-7. and seven. We're doing five now because we don't want there to be in a tie because I've had two straight weeks where I've tied and gone 500, which I don't want that. we got to have a winning week and a losing week. We can't go 500. So, Cole, start me off with your first pick of the week. My first pick of the week um, is a game that I'm sure nobody is going to watch. It is Army at Syracuse. Give me Army plus 13 and a half. I think uh, two touchdowns almost is a lot of points, especially for a Syracuse team that is not good. Uh, they are undefeated, but the fact that they're undefeated and they're at home and they're still only 13 and a half point favorites against Army says a lot to me. Um, I think Army will be able to just pretty much score more points than they think and they'll at the very least cover but don't be surprised if army wins this game outright my pick oregon state minus two and a half on the road at washington state jonathan smith dj ugulele damian martinez they get it done start off pac 12 play one and oh oregon state minus two and a half my next game we're going down to baton rouge louisiana give me louisiana state Minus 17 and a half versus Arkansas. Last week I bet on Arkansas. I'm starting to realize maybe Sam Pittman isn't that great of a coach. I'm catching up with, I've kind of dove into more what the locals think of him. And I've been kind of diving into that. And they think that Sam Pittman is a fraud. He got lucky with one good season. And I think LSU is on a tear. They smell blood in the water in the SEC West. And they are just going to keep trying to prove a statement, especially after they lost to Florida State. They are in fight or flight mode. I think they will cover 17 and a half points. My second pick is a game that most people will not be watching, but is a pretty good battle of two uh, non-Power 5 schools, and it's Wyoming against Appalachian State. I am taking my Wyoming minus two and a half at home against Appalachian State. This is a Wyoming team that looked good last week against Texas. They beat Texas Tech week one. I like them with under a field goal at home against a good App State team that this is a big game in terms of the non-Power 5 team. Yeah, and, and a less-filled week of great college football. I might put put that one on. That's a, That sounds like a fun game to watch. All right, my next one, 
going to the Pac-12. Arizona is heading to Stanford. Give me Arizona minus 12.5. I think Arizona has the ability to put up as many points as they want up against Stanford. Stanford's defense is not good, and I know their offense is not going to be capable of keeping up with uh, Arizona's offense. So I think Arizona will run away with this one. Arizona minus 12.5 at Stanford. All right, my third pick is one I'm definitely going to get made fun of if it's wrong, but Rutgers plus 24.5 at Michigan. Rutgers is not going to win this football game, but I have not seen enough of Michigan scoring to cover 24.5 against another Big Ten team that I've watched a few times and actually looks like they are capable of keeping this within three touchdowns and losing. So Rutgers plus 24 and a half at Michigan. The, the people are starting to talk with all these past few weeks. Jeff keeps making some sort of Homer picks here. He's, he's picked Michigan state I'm twice. One of the Homer picks. And now I, I, I say when you pick against Michigan, that's also a Homer pick. So, so we'll see. I, I see value. It's 24 and a half. They were a 41 point favorite against Bowling Green. They have a, they're all in three covering this year. So I'm going with it again. They're 0-3 against All right. the spread. All right. They got to they gotta get one eventually, don't they? Yeah, they got to get one, I guess. Ohio State got theirs All right. last week. So. All right. <laughs> so I do have one little nugget to say on that. Obviously, I'm friends with someone who is a Washington fan. And when they heard that, uh, two, two people who, who are Washington fans, when they heard you say that it was just a horrible day of college football, horrible to be in that stadium for that game, um, they disagreed with you there. They said that you should have felt lucky to be able to watch just the amazing performance that Michael Penix was able to put on. That you should feel blessed that you got to witness that. Do you have any comment on that? Yeah, he was playing a he was playing a high school level defense that game, so it was uh, he, he looked great. So move on, your next pick. So, Let's get going. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> My next pick is Iowa plus fourteen and a half at Penn State. Uh, I think fourteen and a half is a ton of points. I'm not saying Iowa's going to win this game, but I think there's too much in Iowa's favor, in my opinion, for this game. Just the fact that Cade's been there before, the pressure of Aller playing in his first wideout. Um, give me Iowa plus 14 and a half. That is my pick, too. Uh, I had the same line. I love this line. I, I agree with you, Cole. I'm not going to explain it much more, but I also had Iowa plus 14 and a half. I just think two over two touchdowns is a lot in a – Big Ten football where we have low-scoring games. All right, now forget everything I just said to Jeff about being a homer. Notre Dame plus three and a half. I do think that the Notre Dame will wear out Ohio State with, with their run game throughout the game. It, it will be close for a lot of the game. And I don't even know if Notre Dame is going to win this game. I do think it's going to be a close game in three and a half. I think Notre Dame will at least lose by a field goal. Um, it could be come down to a last-second field goal for whoever wins this game. And I do... Also think that I, I think I see Kyle McCord making one or two just bad interceptions that at least keeps Notre Dame in that three and a half point spread. Um, not saying they're going to win, although I think it, there is a solid chance Notre Dame wins. I do think they will cover this three and a half points. All right, going against we both had a going against our team going against a team we hate, so I, I like that. My final pick: BYU plus eight and a half on the road in their first. Big 12 game against Kansas. It's at Kansas, eight and a half points. I like Caden Slovis. I think he's played a lot of football, and I think that team is physical. And Kansas looked, uh, they looked okay last week against Nevada, barely won the game. I just think this is a game that they're 
BYU is cut for a type of game like this because they're grown men, and I think they cover eight and a half. Kansas wins, but I think Kansas wins by a touchdown. So I got BYU plus eight and a half call. Yeah, I was looking at that game. That's I I'm really high in Kansas, uh, but I I couldn't bet on them for that for that reason. It's a lot of points, and so I'm just gonna stay away from it. But yeah, I think it's a good pick. So this will wrap up our longest episode in a degree in sports history, but. It was definitely worth it because we had so many amazing college football games to talk about, and we didn't want to rush through it because the games were great. We're into conference play, and most well, most of the conferences are now in conference play. You still are going to have your odd-end uh, non-conference games like Ohio State and Notre Dame, but all I can say, Cole, is sit back and just watch football on Saturday. We say it every weekend, but this is our best weekend we've had this year. By far, uh, go out. You can buy TVs cheap now. Like you can go buy a forty-inch TV for like two hundred bucks. Go, go buy a second screen. Go buy a third screen. Screw it. Get four screens. Get it going. Like, the it's worth it. Like, well, maybe not four screens. Four screens would be that'd be a lot of TVs to have. But lock into a great weekend of college football, Cole. Yeah, you need to get every single screen that you can get your hands on because there is so much good football that is going to be played. And there's always those other games that sneak up on you that you don't expect to be good, kind of like we saw last week. Like maybe what if, what if Cincinnati is at home against Oklahoma and beats Oklahoma? That's a game that you're going to be like, oh, crap, I'm watching this game, but I need to throw this one on. You can never have too many screens. Get your laptops out, your iPads out. Make sure you are consuming as much college football as you can and enjoy this amazing slate. This is probably the best slate we'll have this year, definitely one of them. And just really enjoy it. Like don't let this moment pass watch these football games and love every second of it. Yeah, my dream is one day to have them in my man cave, to have those TV setups you see where you got the giant screen in the middle and then like the five TVs around the outside of it. I think that would be perfect, especially for this weekend. But this will wrap up our uh, week four preview episode of A Degree in Sports. This was a lot of fun to record. They always are, but I had a lot of fun previewing these amazing games this weekend, and I cannot wait next week ladies and gentlemen, to talk to you about all of these amazing games this weekend. So sit back, eat some tailgate food, and watch some great football. And we'll see you next week on A Degree in Sports.